Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This episode of the Self Love Club podcast is brought to you by Delma T. Sit down with a cuppa and enjoy. The Self Love Club, a place where boss babes share their stories to empower women. Welcome to the Self Love Club podcast. I'm your host, Belle Crawford. Hello and welcome to a new episode. I'm so excited to share this one with you. I'll tell you more about our incredible guests soon. But first, just to let you know, we're at Self Love Club Podcast on Instagram. Follow us there. You'll get daily self-care, self-love notes. You'll get snippets, inside info on episodes, giveaways, heaps of goodness. And most of all, I love being able to connect with you and see where you're listening to the podcast, putting it in your stories, tagging your pals. So cool seeing that. So thank you so much for all of your incredible support. Now, I had the pleasure of catching up with Jessica Much Mackay, one of New Zealand's top broadcast journalists and mum to a six-month-old baby girl. A familiar face you've probably been seeing a lot of on your screens lately. Jess has been a long-standing part of TVNZ's One News lineup and is currently the political editor. Jess has covered some of the biggest news stories worldwide. Top of the game at what she does, Jess's story of hard work and paving her career is very inspiring and she shares heaps of helpful advice. We're so lucky to have Jessica Much Mackay on the Self Love Club podcast. Jess, welcome to the Self Love Club podcast. Thank you so much for making time today. I know you are very busy at the moment, so I really appreciate it. It's so nice to chat to you. Yay. Um, Now tell us about yourself and what you do. So I'm a journalist. I'm the political editor for One News, which means that I do political coverage across all of our platforms. My big one is Six O'Clock News each night coming into your living rooms. Um, But we also do our own podcast as part of that called Inside Parliament, which I have to say is probably a little bit of a geeky podcast, probably slightly more niche audience for people who are interested in politics and want to catch up on the news that we've been covering. I do a bit of breakfast, a bit of midday, sometimes a little bit of late news. So yeah, that's my job. Sometimes dip in and out of Q&A. That's something I used to do a lot more of, which is a, a long format political show. So yeah, I guess politics is my is my gig. Yeah, we'll talk through what you're doing at the moment soon, but take us back. So where did you grow up? Like, did you know growing up that you wanted to be a journalist? Yeah, so I grew up in Auckland, born and raised. And I think I figured out probably as a teenager that I really wanted to be a broadcast journalist. So until the age of uh, about 13, 14, I was, I was very convinced that I was going to be a famous actress or perhaps a criminal lawyer doing really amazing cases in court. And um, then at about 14, 15, I, I have always loved writing and I've always kept a journal and always written most days. And that's that's been something that I love. And I love words and I love talking and I love performing. Drama was my gig. So I got to about 14, 15 and realized there was this amazing job called television journalism, <laughs> which meant you could do all of those things all together. You get to talk to people, you get to 
interview them, you get to write stories, you get to have that pressure, and you also get the performance element, quote unquote, when you're doing live crosses. So I went and did work experience at TV3, actually, when I was in school, not even before I went to university and went there and I was like, yeah, this is my gig. This is, I, I love this. And I'm sure she won't mind me saying it, but I, I did it with um, Amanda Gillies, who was one of the reporters doing the late news. So it was uh, many moons ago for both of us, but I'm sure she won't mind me saying it. She's incredible. She's amazing. And I've always thought she was amazing. And just seeing what she did and how she did it, that really sparked for me and said, right, that's what I want to do. That's how I want to do it. So for me, that was a really amazing thing to figure out at 16, right, this is the job that I want. Mm. How do I now figure out how to get there? How did you get there? Like, what did you go? Did you go study? Where did you go? What did you do? Yeah. So I grew up in East Auckland. So I started writing some stories for the Halcombe Packeranger Times on like sports teams and stuff like that. And really tried to hustle to get into the the community paper when I was at school. And my dad was an English teacher. So um, I'm still, I still rely on dad's subbing skills for <laughs> things quite a lot. His spelling has never been my strong suit. So I, I did that and I'd, you know, and I'd run it by mum and dad and then send it along to the editor and every now and then they'd publish something which was really cool and gives you such a buzz. I then went and studied at AUT. I did a Bachelor of Communication majoring in journalism and then I actually did a postgraduate year as well majoring in PR. I wanted to do another year of uni and those things kind of seemed to cross over to me quite a lot and I thought, ah, another string to your bow. I haven't really used the PR side of things yet but you never know down the track I I still was really enjoying uni so I stuck around then for me it was the work experience thing again I just kept doing work experience through that and I flew down to Wellington at one point and did some work experience and ended up doing some work experience for ZB doing horrific early mornings and (laughs) just doing what over summer when everyone else is at the beach and doing lovely things and ended up sitting next to a reporter who went on to start up Sky New Zealand to do the news there and then said, hey, you should apply for this job. And uh, I still remember, it was quite a long time ago, but still remember I applied for a couple of jobs. One was the community paper in Paeroa and one was the Taste magazine and the other was this Prime News as it was at the time. And I applied for all three in the same week and got the Sky job or the Prime News job. And I wonder, you always think, I wonder what life would have been like if I'd got one of the other jobs. So that was how it started for me. Oh, that's so exciting. And then, so you worked at Prime or Sky, and then when did you go, because I know you've been at TVNZ a long time, so when did you end up there? This is an interesting way of how you end up in different places. They were looking for someone. I didn't know this at the time, but I was covering a a protest at at a political party conference in Auckland. And it was, and it got quite physical and quite a, a bit argy bargy. And I was in amongst it and really enjoying life and, and getting great shots and getting great upsots with the microphones, so little snippets of of audio. And I was working alongside the deputy political editor of TVNZ at the time, and we were working quite closely. And we were just both doing our own thing. But I think she said, "Ah, oh, this girl, you know, she's in amongst it and getting amongst it." And she was then the one that recommended it to the editor at the time and said, hey, why don't you have a have a chat to her? And so that's how I ended up doing this job um, and, and going across to TVNZ. Long time ago, I was still at broadcasting school. I actually came and did some work experience in Wellington at TVNZ. And I, even back then, you were so good. I was a little bit fangirling. Oh, you were so good. So nice. And I remember <laughs> one time, I remember, this is with, um, I think I was helping out, not with you so much, but with someone else. I had to run back 
there's like a random bit from t- Parliament to TVNZ. Who knew? Like a little a yeah, secret way. An underground. Yeah. Place. I mean, don't tell anyone. No, I probably, to yeah, I probably secret. shouldn't have said that. But I had to <laughs> run back and get someone's earpiece before their live cross at midday. And, oh, God, it was it was all go. But yeah. it was really exciting. And you guys are so passionate about what you do. So that's really cool. You're, oh, that's so nice. Yeah. And you've um, you've been a Europe correspondent as well. So did you go live over in London for a bit? Yeah, and that was awesome. It was such a dream gig. And also a little bit of a nightmare at the same time because you're just, you are going to the most amazing places. You're pick up the phone, hey, we want you to go to Paris. Hey, we need you to go to the Netherlands. We need you to do this. And you just, you're living the dream. It's amazing. You're doing these great stories. You know, you're doing everything from war zones we went to at one point to you know the the badminton horse trials where it's the best in the world and New Zealand's competing and we just did these amazing stories and it was great but you're just constantly on call and because of the time difference you're obviously absolutely upside down so we'd work till quite late but then when we went to sleep in the UK often you were woken up in the in the middle of the night to either you know hey we need you to get up and do a live cross or um, we need you to voice this or something's changed with your story. So we need an update. And it was just such an amazing buzz, but such a dominant part Mm. of your life for those two years. And, you know, I, it was just such an amazing opportunity and it's people say it's the best job um, in New Zealand journalism. And And I'd agree with that. It's just awesome. You get to do the kinds of stories that you love a bit as well as I, dabbled in some sport. I did some rugby tours. Uh, I did a couple of stories for Sunday, which was longer format, which was a really amazing opportunity. It's just great. Mm. And based in London and you're walking around and you're then rubbing shoulders with people that you've watched on the news forever, CNN correspondents and Anderson Cooper is set up just along there. And you're like, oh yeah, this is me. I'm just in amongst it. And Nelson Mandela's funeral, which was just incredible. And for you know, a political geek like me, it, it was just living the dream. We got to go to do live crosses outside number 10. Yeah, maybe it was five in the morning, but, you know, you've got to kind of take those opportunities yeah. when they come. So it was really cool. How did that come about? Do you just sort of put your hand up or do you just sort of get in there with the with the right people? Because the TV is a bit like that. It's like, I guess if you work hard, you do end up in those sort of roles, but it's quite competitive as well. So, you know, how did those sort of opportunities yeah, I, come up for you? Yeah, and it is competitive. And I think I was thinking about this a bit recently as well. I, I was, oh, I'm not really a competitive person, but I guess I am because you, you know, I'm prepared to work hard and I mm. want to do a better job than the person standing next to you. So I guess that's the definition of being a competitive person. Yeah, it, it is. You have to work really hard and and in TV, you have to work really hard consistently for years to prove to people and and to show that you're up to the job, I guess. And for that particular job, it's pretty high pressure and you're by yourself with with a cameraman quite a lot. So you've got to be quite self-motivated and driven and all of that kind of stuff. So you have to be able to prove that. And yeah, I just, I applied and then got it and you're just, you're over there in three or four weeks. Your whole life is upside down and packed up and moved off. And it was a really cool time of my life. And I was single at the time and over there and just pumping it into work and we were working alongside Australian ABC so there was a group of Aussie Junos there and that's nice in New Zealand and mm. it was just cool it was a really fun part of my journalistic career yeah that's so cool when did you sort of work out that you know you've referred to yourself being a bit of a political nerd but I I think a lot of people find politics fascinating like the storylines I just find so interesting and so when did you sort of discover that was it as working as a journalist that you're like wow this is actually really interesting 
Yeah, and this is my little spiel, and, and sorry about you asked, but I, I just think <laughs> when people say, oh, look, politics is boring, I get it, but politics matters. Like, so many little things in your life are affected by politics, your taxes, at the moment, where we can go and what we can do, mm. all decided by politicians. Exactly, you know, Lockdown's yeah. a perfect example, and I just think that I, I totally get it that not everyone loves the, the daily grind, but it's important and it's important to keep across it. It's an important to learn about the people who represent you because you guys get to pick them and you've got to vote and all of that kind of stuff. So rant over. No, no, no. It's a little side of things. It's a very helpful rant. (laughs) I feel really passionately about it because it's up to us to choose those in power. No, that's really good that you feel that way. And yeah, you're right. A lot of the time there are a lot of important things going on, but there's also like really it's quite entertaining at times, you know, like the storylines or the the scandalous information or the the silly things that that the politicians have done that come out. And it's just I I find it quite funny, to be honest. It's like a real life house of cards or something, you know. Totally. The Jamie Lee Ross story is an example of that when you kind of get to the point where you're like, surely that can't be true. And and lots of the parts of it are. Mm. And it just, you're continually surprised in politics. But I kind of fell into it because I was working, when I was at Prime, we were based in the gallery, but I was doing lots of other types of stories. And I just liked the straight up nature of politics. I liked that the stories really mattered to people. And I felt like I was quite good at condensing down a whole lot of information and being able to explain it to people Mm. simply, which is, you know, basically what my job still is today. So yeah, I just really loved it. And it's kind of almost like a, a church, like there are unwritten rules and what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. And you kind of have to you know, I, I have a bit of a respect for the system and the institution and, and what we're there to do. But at the end of the day, the people there are making the decisions that affect our daily lives. And I'm really lucky to be a part of witnessing those those big moments in history. And it, and it feels like you're lucky doing this job. Yeah. What's it like? And we're seeing a lot of it at the moment, I think. People are getting to see it on a daily sort of regular basis. Those like media stand-ups when all the journalists, like I understand that journalists need to ask the questions, but why at the beginning do they do that? It's just so, like, why do they, why can't you just ask a question one after the other? I don't, I just don't understand that. (laughs) Yeah. And and it's probably one of those things that people are seeing for the first time what we do every day. And, And we interact with the prime minister often multiple times a day. And this is how at this time, this is how we do it. And I think, she gets it, we get it, and it's just part of the rhythm. But I think what's happening now is for the first time the public are getting to see it and perhaps not in the groove that we're in. I think one of the other things to remember is that, especially at the moment, that's our only official source of information. So we have to fill a whole news bulletin. So we might have questions from someone who's doing an education story, someone who's doing a sports story, someone who wants to check about a specific case. So we often go in there and we've got these lists of like 10 questions. And the Prime Minister usually gives us sort of half an hour, 40 minutes. Sounds like a lot, but once they've done the bit at the beginning, We just don't have that much time for questions. And I think a lot of that that you're hearing is we've got to get in there and and get the stuff for our other guys. And you also want a follow-up question. And our job isn't to sit there and note down exactly what the Prime Minister says and regurgitate it. Our job is to question, ask questions and, and ask things on behalf of the public and on behalf of the other reporters and to make sure that they're being held to account. That's our total job. But mm-hmm. I do understand that there are little systems and rhythms that we've got that now are on live television every day. Yeah. I, it's just a strange 
situation that we're in. And to be honest, a lot of the time, we kind of just have to forget that we're live. You just have to focus on, right, I've got to do this for my story. And these are the questions that I have to ask. It's quite cool. The Prime Minister does know a lot of you. People are even commenting to me. They're like, well, she knows their names. I'm like, yeah, it's like she sees them every day, you know. So that's quite cool. You you sort of must, especially because you've worked in Parliament a long time, you and you're a political editor, you would probably know a lot of those people like on first name basis and they would know you as well. Yeah, we do. And I think that's something that is we know them really well and, and vice versa. They'll ask about your family and, and your holiday and your the, and that's just because we, we work among them every day. That doesn't mean that you don't forget that it's Prime Minister and Leader of the Opposition and Deputy Prime Minister and Leader of the Green Party or whatever it is. I think, you know, you switch into that mode when we're at work. But, I mean, especially the Prime Minister, you think she's probably spending as much time with us as she is with most of her friends. So, you know, it, that's part of the deal. We're all in the small little weird bubble. But yeah, she, she knows our names. We see her each day and she, she's using that quite a lot at the moment. I do think that we are in quite a, a unique and unusual situation. And that pressure is we're feeling as the press gallery as well as other people and who are hungry for information. So it is perhaps slightly more intense than it usually would be. Yeah. Talk us through what it's like being covering this COVID-19 global pandemic. You have covered a lot of very intense big news stories. What's it like working in that environment? This one feels massive. And for me, it felt massive right from the beginning. Usually what happens, like if I go to a, a war zone or go and cover a refugee crisis, I feel like it's not till I get home and I go, huh, that I think, right, that was actually quite big. That was significant. Look at what an amazing story that was. But during this time, and maybe that's because we're living it and going through it, but it just felt like I remember the first day, it was a Saturday and I got a call from the Prime Minister's press sec to say that the Prime Minister was going to do a press conference, which is unusual on a Saturday. And so we knew, right, break into programming, rushed into work, and she made the announcement about the border restrictions kicking in the following Sunday night. And you just think for a moment, wow, we're closing down our borders. And I think because things happen sort of step by step by step, for me, it just felt like, whoa, that's a really big move. And then a week later, we had the, okay, here's the levels system. Oh, and then on the Monday, we're going from level two to level three. And, mm. and just, I think, I, because I've been doing a live cross, I came into the, that we call it the theatrette, so just a little theatre where the Prime Minister has her podium. And, and I was quite near the front, and so I was looking straight up at her. And... It was one of those situations that you just like, wow, this is a really big moment when she's announcing that we're going from three to level four um, on the Wednesday and from two to three that day. When you stop for a moment and pause and thought about the ramifications, all the restaurants and cafes are closing down, all the hairdressers are closing down, all the schools are closing down. Usually you're so with your questions and da, 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 mm -hmm. And I just remember that moment thinking, wow, this is a big one. This is going to affect all our lives for a really, really long time. So from a journalist's point of view, it's a really fascinating big story with multiple ramifications, but you're also living through it, which is not always part of the story for us. So mm. yeah, it's been fascinating and arguably the biggest story any of us will ever cover. Yeah, and it must be. I mean, you're working... Very long hours, very hard. Like I don't think people understand the hours you put into your day and especially when they see a story maybe on the 6 o'clock news at night, the amount of work that you've all done that day. I mean, yeah, you must be working really hard. I mean, you've always worked really hard, but you must be really working hard right now. 
our teams are working really hard. We're, we're doing a system at the moment because of COVID-19, we're split in two teams. So we're, our gallery team is split in half and we're producing quite a lot more television with fewer people. So that's to protect so that if, if one group get infected, we can still keep producing the news. And we're just doing a lot more live TV. And that's pretty full on. The really amazing adrenaline rush that you get is great, but then you crash a little bit afterwards. Mm. So I just, for me, I find if I go lots of lives throughout the day, I go up and down and up and down and you get to the end of the day and think, oh, my brain's a little bit fried. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Talk us through what it's like because you do a lot of live TV and at the moment you're doing even more. What is it like doing live TV? Explain that to people. They've seen you doing it and it just you make it look so effortless, but talk us through what it's like and how you do it. Oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> it's fun. It's my one of my favourite parts of the job. I love live interviews. That's probably my favourite part, but live TV is great. And, and live TV is really fun when you're not quite sure how it's going to play out. If you're waiting for the Prime Minister or people might have noticed that some of these times before press conferences, I actually have to pad quite a lot, which is where you're just trying to fill in time before the Prime Minister comes. And so if some of the things I'm talking about sound a little bit obscure, it's because the Prime Minister is eight minutes late. That's a long time. time Yeah. Yeah. So reasonably, um, a lot of padding has gone on in the last few weeks and um, lots of people will have seen that. But I, as a general rule, you're just looking at a camera. So that's the other thing that people are like, oh, you know, you're live to a million people. And it's like, yeah, but I'm, I'm just talking to one camera operator. So you're just looking down the barrel of the camera and you've got your earpiece in so you can hear Simon or Wendy talking. We also have a director and producers sometimes talking just to let you know, you know, 30 seconds to go, get ready, stand by, all of that kind of stuff. I still get a little bit of a buzz when I hear the intro music for One News, even after all these years, I'm like, okay, right, let's go. Here it is. Um, This is the moment. Yeah, here it is. This is my moment. (laughs) (laughs) And people are like, wow, that's really loserish after doing this for so long. No, it's cool. I I love that. It's a buzz (laughs) and it's cool. And people are sitting at home. They haven't had time to listen to the press conferences and maybe people do at the moment, but not usually have time to listen to all the press conferences and read all the reports. Our job is to condense that and then convey it to them. So I you know, you're just trying to explain to people, hey, this is what's happened today. This is what I think is important. And this is what you should take away Mm. from it. But I always have notes as well. That's my trick. And if I'm helping anyone else learn live crosses, for me, every now and then, you just forget what you're going to say. And on live TV, that's not an ideal situation. I just like having my notes spaced out there. You always know if a bird flies out or someone jumps out, behind you or decides it's really funny to wave in the back of shot or something and you get distracted, you can look down and just say, okay, right, here I am and away we go. And sometimes if you forget phrases or find something difficult, I just put it down, not whole sentences, but just a few key words so that just to save yourself. So over the years, it has served me quite well. Yeah, that's a good tip. Obviously, you'll know what you're going to talk about, but do you sort of work out, I know with like radio, we'll work out how maybe we're going to finish, like start and end something. Do you sort of work out what you're going to say and where you're going to say it? Is that something you sort of do? For the six o'clock news, we do. We're given a time slot. So we might be given 50 seconds, a minute to do that. So you've kind of got to map out what you're going to say. And I often rehearse it beforehand just Mm -hmm. to go through it. For a breakfast interview, for 
for example, it's more like this. You more yeah. you just have a chat about what you think. And I don't, I mean, I don't have notes now and I don't have notes there. When you're doing a really long format interview, like a Q&A interview, which is say 15 minutes, I'll have ideas of question lines and things that I'll have written down because it makes me feel better. But you very rarely stick to them. You might dip in and out and have a look at notes and things like that. But yeah, some of it's prepared, some of it's not. I, I mean, when I was talking about the padding before, that's all freestyle. So that's all just <laughs> what information can I conjure up from a press conference from yesterday or today or something I heard in the debating chamber. So Melissa Stokes and I and Simon Dello and I have come quite good at just let's try and feed some bits of information to make sure that we can stretch it out. We'll get back to the rest of our episode with Jessica Much Mackay soon. But first, a word from our pals at Dilma Tea. There's something about having a cup of tea to start my day that makes me feel like I'm getting on top of things. It's become part of my morning routine, you know, having your cuppa, sitting down and setting my intentions, my to-do list, the things I've got to get done that day. Enjoy a bit of quiet time at home with Dilma T. Use this time to sit down with a cuppa and plan a positive future with purpose. Also, check out the Dilma T giveaway just for you, Self Love Clubbers, at Self Love Club Podcast on Instagram. Right, back to our episode with the incredible Jessica Much Mackay. What have been some lessons or challenges? You've been doing this a long time, but, you know, have there been any times or things that you've found quite challenging or especially working in that sort of environment? Yeah, I think with this job, you put yourself out there quite a bit and people feel like they they know you and you're in their living rooms every night. So I think that there is a bit of criticism and critiquing when it comes to that side of things and not a lot. I, I know a lot of other people have it a lot worse than I do, but I just think you have to make sure even for little things that you're quite sure of what you bring to the table. You've got to be quite a robust person and that comes with time I think even quite early on you're like okay this is what I I bring to the table and be quite sure in yourself and not speech that little stuff mm. and every now and then I don't like to say it but every now and then someone will say something quite mean and you're like oh it's not a bad point I haven't actually thought about it like that or actually you're right that is really annoying when I do that so I do think things like that critiquing and criticizing side of TV I think is something that I've found challenging some days not every day you can be tough sometimes but sometimes you're like that's just really mean sometimes things just just get to you a little bit more than other days and there'll be lots of nice comments and one nasty thing and some days things can stick a bit more than they would on other days like other days you wouldn't even care about it I feel like on TV people will comment especially on females appearances and like what they're wearing and people feel like they can comment on people's bodies a lot on tv like I don't like that dress on her or whatever not saying about you but I've just noticed it before and I'm like <laughs> that's okay about I mean you should have probably sent me a message uh, but you know if you no, want to you now, always look okay. amazing I, I don't know how anyone could critique what you're doing you look so good and like <laughs> even Tony Street she's had things said to her and it just it blows my mind that people would think they can comment on that kind of stuff. Totally. But I think also people feel like they know you, you know what I mean? And that's the side of things that you are in the living rooms every night and you sign up for that to a certain degree mm-hmm. doing this job. If you can be a bit more confident, you know, com- quite confident in yourself, that helps 
and, yeah. and this type of job. And I guess being able to handle criticism as well, whether it's from your bosses or from the public, I guess, who are watching. Is it more not things that yeah. they've said about like what, how you're doing your job or how you say things? or Little irritating things that you do, you know, moving your hands around. I kind of do that when I talk. It actually helps my brain function when I'm going like that. It helps me think of things. So, yeah, I think also not so much from people's comments, but talking about the appearance side of things, when you're up in high definition on people's television screens and I, I think for yourself you're a lot more critical of your appearance I mean for most people they wouldn't really have a great idea about what they look like every day because they're not having to see themselves on tv we are each night and I think that you know you put on a few kg or you need to get your hair done or maybe your face is a bit shiny or, or whatever it is I think we see that on tv every night and so that's something I think you're a lot more aware of any, um, you know, flaws and, and things like that. So that's a part of television to kind of deal with as well and learn to accept mm. too. And, and that was one of the things that when I was pregnant as well, I had um, preeclampsia at the end and you know, your face, neck, ankle, really swollen, not quite as attractive as on TV, actually. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so just things like that, that, you have to be like, okay, just have to let that go. That's yeah. just part of the deal. So talk us through, you've got, you got a little daughter. She's six months old now? Yeah, she's wow. six months. So it's just made me think, wow, we've got through the last half a year. And that seems like quite a big achievement. I took three months off and then came back to work on Waitangi Day and had sort of a month and then we went into the lockdown phase of yeah. things. So my husband's been staying at home. So that's made life a bit easier. And before the lockdown, he was bringing her into parliament so that she could feed in the mornings. And that was really nice because I could take 20 minutes, go and see her in the morning, give her a feed. Then it was only the afternoon that I kind of had to get through without seeing her. So that was really nice. But then of course, lockdown came and we weren't able to do that as much anymore. But I think those kind of first few days of going back to work, it's a, a bit of an adjustment for mm. sure when you're trying to sort of juggle these two things. But at the same time, I felt, and I know it's different for everyone and everyone has their own journey to go on with this. I guess it's a sensitive subject. But for me, I found going back to work, I felt a lot more like myself being mm. back at work. And you come home and you just intensely focus on her and that's really cool. And in the days off, it's just, such a pleasure to be around her and I really enjoy it so I have been able to do I feel like a pretty okay job at both which is a good feeling and mm. um, you have to cut out almost everything else so I'm not sure if my life will change that much when we go to level two but you just have to be like right work and being a mum are my priorities at the moment. Yeah you're doing a great job and I'm sure she's she's super happy and yeah I'm like what a superstar going back to work at three months that's amazing and then doing what you're doing. Yeah I think and I and I think it's that's not right for everyone but it was for us yeah. and lucky that I could leave her with my husband so you know that she's being really well yeah, well, exactly. She's, She's a little daddy's girl. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's special for them as well. I talk to a lot of people who I interview about when you are a career-focused person and you're doing things like this, was it ever a time of, and everyone's story is different, but was it ever a time of like you had to work up to this point and then, and then you know, like I feel like when you're younger, sometimes the idea of having a child, you feel like you're trying to achieve all these things. Yeah, so for me, I guess it was a little bit different and sharing my story, I was 
lucky enough, I guess, I didn't meet my now husband until I was 31. So for me, I kind of had my 30s where I could really focus on work and and progressing my career. And yep, sure, you definitely had partners during that time. But because I wasn't with the one, I was really focused on work. And so for me, that was really amazing. I could go to Europe, I could do all of this stuff and go for drinks after work at night and and go to functions and, and all of those kinds of things. So that was really cool. And then when I met him, we had this really cool spark straight away and we've been together what, nearly five, nearly five years now um, and got married and had the baby. And, and so that was really cool. But I guess what was lucky for me is that this was such my dream job. Mm. When I took it, I thought, right, during this time, I'm probably going to want to have a baby, you know, just before the, I'm 36 now. So, you know, during that time we want to try and we talked about it and he was like, right, this is your dream job though. Let's, you know, we'll work it out when it comes. And that's kind of always been our mentality. We'll, we'll work it out and figure it out. And for me, it's such a dream job and so lucky to be doing it. It's also election year. So taking a year off, I didn't want to do that. Um, when I had the baby, so I'm not saying that, uh, I have it all, but you can try and do both and give it a really good nudge. Mm. And I think that you can't also have a social life and you may be only exercising three or four times a week rather than, you That's know, fine. You know they say that. Whatever. Yeah. I say seven or eight. I was never doing that, but you know what I mean? You're, yeah. Things like that go a bit by the way. So, but I've said work baby priorities and that's sort of what we're we're working with at the moment. Good on you. I think it's important for women to see that as well. It's definitely different in this day and age, but you know, especially when you are hustling a career like you have in a position that you are in, I don't think people often would know, but there's so much work that has to go into that. You have to make sacrifices along the way. And it's I think it's epic that you did meet your your husband in your thirties because, you know, it gave you that time to not worry about that stuff in your twenties when you can really hustle and make all that stuff happen that's now got you to where you are. Yeah. And, you know, if I'd met him in my 20s, maybe things would have been different. You you just don't know how things play out. And don't get me wrong, it's hard. And there are days when you're being told off by an MP on the phone with the baby on your hip. And I missed a call from the Prime Minister when I was changing the baby in the other room, which you just don't do. You never miss a call from the Prime Minister. And just little things like that, that you're like, wow, I would never have let that happen before I had the baby. And you just have to be like, I'm really sorry. I call you back. Do you know things like that? So yeah. you have to try not to be too hard on yourself with little bits and pieces and adjust things. But sometimes if you're stumbling a few words, you're like, yeah, that's what happens when the baby was up a couple of times last night. You just you just get through it. And, yeah. and you know, I think women do, we just do it. And that's what I think we're quite good at just getting on with it. Yeah. Do you feel like, and I know you mentioned before, you know, things like in summer working at News Talk ZB and whatever hours and do you feel like along the way to do what you've done you you have had to make some sacrifices and maybe not done some th- I mean, you probably haven't felt like you've missed out because you've done exactly what you wanted to do but you know have you made sacrifices and things maybe that you feel like other people did or that you didn't get to do at the time because I don't think people realize that, that a lot of the time when everyone's having these amazing summers a lot of the time we'll be at work sitting inside not getting a tan at all you know <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty pale, so I'm pretty comfortable with the not tanning thing. That's okay. But yeah, for sure. And I think probably it's your social life and your, you know, hanging out with friends and, and doing that kind of thing. You know, maybe you're away for a weekend and something happens and you have to 
rush off. I remember Ruapehu erupted and when I was at Prime and I was away with friends for a weekend and had to be like, oh, see you guys, I've got to go. And, and you know, you can think of things like that most months that you have to cancel on people and, and do that kind of thing. And my friends and family definitely get that you're on a job where you have to be able to be called upon when they need you. And that's absolutely a sacrifice. You're absolutely right. But I do also think that those little moments where someone says, hey, can you work late to finish this off? Or, oh, do you mind working the weekend because so-and-so is called in sick? Or can you do this? Or, hey, do you mind driving to Hamilton today? I know it'll be a long day. Early on in my career and, and still now, if you're saying yes to things, that's what gives you opportunities. And I think that's the biggest advice I'd give to people, not just in journalism starting out, but say yes to people and create your own opportunities because you're a couple of people being sick away from suddenly being able to do that big story. And I think that you never want that to happen. But if, yeah. if you're the one that's in that situation that thinks, okay, well, that person's being called away this, that person's on holiday and that person's sick today, suddenly it's you. And because you've created that opportunity and said yes to things and proved yourself, you then get the call up. Okay, great. Let's try on six o'clock. They're always saying yes and trying your best at those little things prove to people down the track. So it's that consistency. And that's not always easy. Sometimes you just want to go home and sometimes you don't really want to go on in the weekend. And sometimes you don't want to ask that question. It's quite hard. But I just think proving that early on and saying yes to things does give you opportunities later on in your career. Yeah, definitely. That's such good advice. How do you look after yourself? You talk about, you know, highs throughout your day doing your live crosses and things. It's tiring when you're doing that sort of, I guess, it's a performance. How do you look after yourself in those moments and just to keep yourself well in general? I think it's definitely changed since I've become a mum because the things that you perhaps used to do, I, I just either don't have time for or don't make time for now. I try to do little things like um, at the moment during the lockdown, my husband's making me a coffee. I mean, yesterday we were allowed to go and, and oh have God. some real coffee. How good was that? Making a little coffee. <laughs> Amazing. And um, not Instagramming it was really hard because it was just such a big <laughs> moment. Um, I resisted, but it was tough. Um, but he's been making that coffee and I've been having that during the meeting. And so that's been a little moment that you go, yeah, oh. it's nice. um, I'm a big tea drinker, like really into tea. Um, so for me, little moments, we can go <sighs> sit down, mm. do that. I go for walks. So that's something that I've found really good. Go for a walk, check in a podcast. I find that really helps me chill and relax. And also just having a good book, if you can sit down and read for 20 minutes and switch off. So it's all, it's nothing very, no, it's not rocket science. Nothing needs to be, yeah, it's not super fancy stuff. A lot of the time it's just the basic things that actually, those little things, those little moments make a huge difference to your day and how you feel. And yeah. It has been also baking and chocolate. But oh I've my god! That on the head a little the last couple of weeks. <laughs> I know at the beginning of lockdown, we we're all baking like absolute little home bakers, and then yeah, I've I've tried to yeah. simmer down as well. Otherwise, you know, and I, I can imagine the pressure yeah. on TV as well. You probably you probably think about that stuff a bit more than most of us would. <laughs> oh, just being able to wear your work clothes. That's that's it. That's yeah, I worry about. Because <laughs> a lot of us are lucky. We can just wear our active wear every day, but you have to actually wear like proper clothes. Wow, that must be hard. Uh, for, at least from here up, <laughs> you know, from the waist up anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> could you go to parliament in, in active wear tights though? That probably wouldn't be allowed. There's probably a dress code. See, and that's the thing. I'm kind of, I just can't. It's like, I can't do an interview in flat. Like I need to wear the high heels. I need to, it's part of the yeah. thing for me. I choose shoes very carefully. And I, I, even though nobody ever sees them, it's just part of the power 
play. You feel in the zone and you feel in, in work mode. Yeah. One thing I did want to touch on, you did mention before, you know, like you're holding a child and then you're getting told off by an MP. There must be some moments where some MPs or people are, that can be quite vocal telling you off or telling you things. What's that like? Yeah. And I think the nature of the job that I do is pretty combative and I'm not a very combative person. I think I'm actually a little bit annoying in an argument because I'm right. Okay, well, let's just talk about this. And and I like to kind of keep it calm, which I think yeah. the more annoyed someone else gets, the calmer I get. This is a high stakes game. I totally get that. What we're putting on the Six Got News, a lot of people see it. And so there are always going to be conflicting sides of things. So if you do a story, sometimes one side is happy and, and one side isn't. And then there'll be something in, in between that you hadn't thought of that someone's not happy about either. And that's part of the job that I do find challenging. I think that when you're thinking through something, you've got to be able to justify it. And often you actually do have to justify it to a press secretary or a or an MP if they're unhappy with something. And I'm, I'm more than happy to go through my thinking with that and explain that. It's not all the time that people lose their cool and yell, but I also get that these are people's careers. And I think, you know, you sign up to media scrutiny when you come into parliament, it's part of the deal. And I feel like I'm quite considered in the way that I do things because I realize that it's high stakes. I realize that it's important. You have to have those conversations. And sometimes, again, they'll totally get to you. Other days you have to be like, okay, well, that person's not going to be thinking about this anymore. So perhaps I shouldn't be. And that's one of the things with the baby, to be honest, you have to so switch in and out that often you would have come home from work and stewed over something all night and been really stressed about it. When I walk in the door, I don't have that long before she goes to bed. So I've got to focus attention on her. What's it like? And I won't like name names or anything, but well, one, because it's not a bad thing to say, but you know, there's some interesting characters you're dealing with in parliament and people like, you know, we see Winston when he used to do stand-ups now and then, and he'd be like, nope, you can't stand there. And he'd tell you, it's just, it's hilarious. It's funny to watch. Like when he's like mad that someone's standing on a stair there and uh, Yeah, and I think it's always really important to have that healthy respect for people like that. Like, you've got to remember he is a very impressive politician, Hmm. and I think he he gives us a really hard time and and can be quite mean and quite personal, but I think you've got to have that healthy respect. And even though he does give us a hard time, I do think that he does get the media and does respect members of the media. I, yeah. I know in two, I covered him when was it? it was 2008 and went down to Christchurch and, and had this poll that I had to present to him that said he was the least trusted politician. And he had a real go at me for that on camera and called me a drongo. And, um, and we just, just, he just didn't want, to comment on the poll and and my job is to go down and ask him about the poll. What is some, and you've sort of given us a lot of advice along the way, what is some advice you would give your younger self knowing what you know now? I think I'd say don't worry, it works out. I'd say keep working hard at the small stuff so those little things count and they make a difference. I'd say don't be afraid to work for free until someone starts paying you to get that experience. I'd say learn from the people around you, be yourself, but make sure you draw on the strengths of others in your office and others that you're working alongside uh, and you learn the way that they do things and take note and ask their advice I think that was one of the biggest things that, especially in television, saying to someone on a morning that they weren't busy, hey, do you mind if we have a look through a couple of these lives? Or hey, do you mind if you have a look at my script? And really asking people who have been in the job for a long time for their advice, because 
often they're they're totally happy to sit down and go through it with you and just always try to improve and and work on yourself it would be quite good to go back and be able to tell yourself I know I know because did you ever have I mean we all do it's human but did you especially when you're working so hard and hustling did you ever have those moments where you're like oh god is this actually going to work out of course I think everyone has bad days where you're thinking ah this is 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 this worth it or or is this really what I want to be doing that's natural and I I think that's part of life sometimes that you're just going to have a bad day but I still feel really hungry for journalism and I'm still really enjoying it. And I think that you've got to love it because as you, as you know, in this industry, you've got to be all in Mm. because it's a lifestyle. It filters into all aspects of your life. Your face is recognizable. So, you know, that's just part of the deal. Yeah, exactly right. And if you can feel it in you that it's something you love and want to do, then I think that's worth doing. Don't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Mm, Those are good little reminders. You've given us a lot of advice and your advice to yourself for others, but what advice would you like to give to women that are listening? I think that that balance of work and mum life you can do that if that's what you want to do. And and I, I heard Laura McGoldrick talking about it in one of your podcasts earlier and I and it got me thinking and I thought, yeah, actually, she's right that we it's not something that we talk about that much. And and I'm not by no means an expert in it. I have a I have a six month old and I've got two stepsons as well who are eight and ten. I'd like to share with people that for me, working is a really important part of me. Mm-hmm. And, and who I am and not for everyone, but for me, the having a baby didn't mean the end of my career and you know it definitely changes things. There's no doubt about that. Ask me after the election and we'll we'll see. But I <laughs> that's think you're, that you're a yeah. superstar, honestly. Like <laughs> managing mum work life like you are, and especially the election year. Whew, girlfriend, you but got see in that sense. Yeah. I've got my mum and dad. So my mum and dad have said, look, we're gonna take my dad's um, semi retired but mum's still working and they have said, look, we'll take time off work and we'll Aww. look after Margot during that election time when you're frantic and busy. So yeah, not everyone's going to have be as lucky as I am in that in that sense. But I do think that you can work through those problems and those obstacles if that's what you and your family choose to do. And yeah, I'd like to get that message across. I'm still doing okay as a mum, even though I'm on TV each night, I think. You can ask Margo when she gets bigger. You're doing a great (laughs) job. Yeah, you're doing so well. You're you're amazing. Um, One other thing I wanted to ask before we wrap up, and I think this is quite important for people to know because, you know, you talked about, we talk about those moments where you like, we all do it. We all have moments where we doubt ourselves. It might be just a small moment, but what's it like? And you have done incredibly well and you have managed to get some amazing roles because you're talented and you're good at what you do and you work hard. But what's it like in those moments? You just come on here every day. This, oh my is, God. this is a compliment flowing. No, but like, it's true. Like I, I'm not just saying it cause like it's credit where credit's due, but what's it like in those moments? I think everyone has them where maybe you didn't get those jobs or you didn't get this. What's it like in those moments and sort of making yourself think, okay, well I'll, it's okay. I'll keep going and building that resilience in yourself. Cause I think that's something that people don't really talk about. We see people's wins all the time we don't often see the moments where maybe it wasn't a win if you know what I mean so like how do you get through those moments in this job sometimes you've got our news at six o'clock on one news and tv3s on their news and people in our industry are comparing those all the time so there's there's sort of a direct contrast of what one team did and what another team did so I think you do feel that quite acutely that comparison and that's tough for me and I'm sure for others as well I you know I think we're our toughest critics and you can be really hard on yourself but I think that you're exactly right that resilience 
word. I think you do have to have a bit of that resilience. I also think, like, for example, when I applied for the Europe correspondent job, I remember really carefully in that when I was applying for that, I thought, okay, right, if I don't get that, this is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to get excited about life afterwards. And for me, that's always been quite a, a big thing of having that plan B in my mind mm. and kind of rehearsing that. Really, I really wanted it and I really went for it. But thinking if I don't, this is how I'm going to get excited about life. You know, you have your weekend where you yeah. eat your ice cream and drink your wine. But <laughs> after that, you then think, right, so this is what I'm going to do. And I, for me, that's always helped, you know, when you're applying for a job or think about the plan B and think about ways that you can make yourself excited and think yeah. about how it could be cool. Thank you so much for your time today, Jess. Really appreciate that. I know you're so busy right now and I'm pleased that you are getting a couple of days off, even though it's like mum life, so it's not really days off. No, thank you. And big win that the baby stayed asleep. Thanks to Dilma T for making this episode of the Self Love Club podcast possible. Enjoy a cup of Dilma T at home today. Thank you so much for listening to the Self Love Club podcast. Please subscribe for weekly episodes and catch up on apps you may have missed. Reviews and sharing the Self Love Club with your friends and on your Instagram stories helps heaps in spreading the self love message. You can keep up with the Self Love Club at Self Love Club Podcast and at Bell Crawford on Instagram. Plus, find resources and blog posts on my website, bellcrawford.com. We've got heaps of boss babes coming up to empower you through the rest of the year with weekly episodes available each Monday. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.